I'm excited to talk about my sponsors today, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage Group. Amazing, amazing group. This is a teacher. This is, uh, Gay was a teacher. She is a teacher still. You need to learn this is the type of uh, environment you want to be in because she's going to help you understand why. And I think that's the hardest part of this business is understanding why. Why is the red one popular when the green one isn't? Well, there's usually a reason. And what Gay does is probably parse that better than anybody. And she'll explain the reasons for those things. I think that's really powerful. Yes, she puts out a list. You're going to get, uh, get use of that list if you get in the group. Now, here's the deal. The group isn't always open, right? So, you get on the waiting list, and you can join the waiting list through my link. Um, doesn't cost you anything to, to get on a waiting list. And if you uh, like her service, which I find that most people do, and that's why there's not so many openings, um, you'll be with her for a long time. And so it's AmazingFreedom.com. She's part of Andy Slamet's group. AmazingFreedom.com forward slash momentum, and you're going to get in the waiting list. That's all I can get you on right now. You can use my name and see if that gets you anywhere. But what I like about in that, uh, what I like about what they teach in that group are the things that are going on, you know, the current things. I've seen a lot of stuff going on about stores going out of business. Well, here's where an opportunity is. Here's why you want to do this. Hey, be cautious about this, you know, with Toys R Us coming out. You got to think about this. And that's the learning that you need to do. And gay is better than anybody else I've seen. So um, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum will get you to the waiting list. Then hopefully it can get you in the group and then you're going to see me in there and uh, we can chat anytime you're ready. Karen Locker's group, Solutions, the number four e-commerce, solutions4ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you 50 bucks. Karen's our account manager. We recommend her to everyone because she's done so well for us. I mean, that's quite frankly the reason we've been paying her for the last few years, but she's become an important part of our team. Her and her team are so involved in our account. I just see the emails coming back and forth. Hey, we did this for you. I just saw two listings today. and I'm like, wait a second. Why did they show up? I didn't put any listings up. They got, uh, they got uh, set off to the side by Amazon, and they reactivated them for me. You know what I mean? That's the stuff that just happens when you have a strong team, and I can't recommend Karen enough. If you use uh, my code Momentum, Karen pays me. I don't want to hide that. Of course, we all know that, but you're going to save $50, and it's a great opportunity to really, really um, build out your team with somebody you can trust. That's why I recommend them. So solutions for e-commerce, solutions, the number for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50. Oh, and by the way, she's going to do an inventory health report. Why is that important? Well, guess what? Fees are going up. Is your inventory health number declining like ours is? Well, here's why, and here's what they can do. What I like is I get a spreadsheet from them and it says, hey, um, here's a bunch of inventory. Here's what we recommend. And I'm like, yep refund, I mean, uh, delete, uh, return to us, blah, 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 whatever it is. And it's or destroy. And it just happens. That's what I like. The other thing that I have Karen help me with a lot is creating new listings. You know, we do a lot of the research ourselves, we upload our images, and then boom, magically, the listing goes live. And I don't have to worry about it. Those are the services that Karen offers. Can't recommend her enough solutions for ecommerce.com forward slash momentum, save 50 bucks, use my code, you save $50 a month every single month, and it's a great service. Plus, you get that free inventory health report. I think it's a really powerful way. So I can't, uh, I'm so excited how many people have been joining her because I see it. And I'm excited because the, the messages I get from people are saying, hey, this is great. I finally feel like I can focus on something else because Karen and her team are watching this for me. And, you know, I highly recommend her.
Next up is Seller Labs and Scope. <laughs> I almost said it wrong. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it really is amazing when you sit back and think about, hey, I want to get this product up and it's similar to this product, and that's, that product does well. Well, therefore, if that product does well, they have the right keywords. They have chosen things correctly. So guess what? You scope, and you can see all that stuff. And that's what the, the most powerful thing in the world is, to copy somebody who's done it right. That's what you want to you wanna take advantage of that, right? I mean, it's, it's fair uh, to see. And so, therefore, you could take and apply it to your listing and immediately get that same benefit. That's what scope does for me. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50 on the service. Oh, by the way, it's free to try. So sign up, try it and say, oh, this is how it's done. Boom. And then you're going to, the light's going to go on and you're going to be like, man, I can get my products out there. I just can't wait. Can't wait. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. The other day I bought another domain. Yes, I bought another domain. It's almost like uh, I'm admitting guilt. But it's because I had an idea and it was something that was a pretty good idea. I think it's going to go pretty far. And so what do I do? I go to trygodaddy.com forward slash momentum and save 30%. So domains aren't very expensive. You get a few services. It adds up a little bit. And I usually buy three years. I usually buy privacy. By the way, I recommend that too. By that, you know, it's not that much money, but when you can save 30%, it makes it that much sweeter and it makes it easier uh, when you're buying domains, and especially if you buy a bunch of domains. I am a domain collector, and so I do tend to do that, but that 30% makes it a lot easier. And I use GoDaddy because what I like is I can pop in an address I'm thinking and it'll say, nope, nope, try this version or try this extension. And then boom, there it is. Hey, you better hurry before it goes away. And they're right, you know, and so try GoDaddy.com forward slash momentum, save 30%. Also, I want to mention about Grasshopper. Who was I just talking to somebody the other day? And they were like, oh, yeah, I use this company called Grasshopper. I'm like, dude, did you buy it through my link and save 30%? Hello? No, they missed that. So save 30%. It's trygrasshopper.com forward slash momentum. No surprise there, but you're going to save 30%. And what the, the real cool part about that is they're using it for their private label business. And it gives them virtually a second phone on their current phone without having to get another number. They can make up a vanity number. They don't have to go and do all the grief and, and sign long contracts. Pretty easy stuff. And so if you're creating a brand that you want to identify, you want to look professional, you want to look like a real company, Grasshopper is a great tool. It's an app you put on your existing phone, and boom, you now have a customer service department. You now have a sales department. You now have a manufacturing division. You could forward it to somebody else. You can have it go to different voicemails, different departments, and it's all included. So try grasshopper.com forward slash momentum. Save 30%. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 310, Charlene Anderson. 
I love talking to Charlene. This is our third time on. She was previously episode 76 and 197. 76 is her story. 197 is a very cool discussion about her and her husband and their separate businesses, both on Amazon um, and the places where they cross over and the value that that brings. And that's a very cool one, too, when you're ready to get there. But when I, she's like an artisan um, in this business, like a craftsperson, somebody who's just that, you know, where I could put in a door, but she puts it in with fine details. I think that's the best way to describe Charlene. She really is an expert. Um, very uh, direct, very matter of fact, uh, pulls no punches, but man, you know, you know you're going to get a straight answer, and I just think it's valuable. Um, she gives so many great tips here about wholesale, and in her world, wholesale's not dead. Wholesale's thriving. As a matter of fact, she believes it's the only business to have on Amazon. And so she has a group, and I let her pitch her group. Um, I don't benefit other than, again, if you find success there, I win. You know, that's my theory on life, and I'm so excited about it. I think she just brings so much value. Let's get into that story. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest, a return guest. One ninety-seven was the episode. That's a long time ago, back in uh, two thousand seventeen. So I guess it was more than a year um, ago. Charlene Anderson, welcome, Charlene. Thanks. This is my third time on the show. This is your third time. I'm sorry. Third, yeah. Yes, I was uh, actually one of your number seventy-six. I'm yeah. sorry, number seventy-six. Yep. I, apologize. I love doing this show. That was. Uh, I love it. It's like we have an annual uh, update. Um, well, because, you know, it's funny. In our pre-show, we were talking about it. Things are changing so quickly. Your description is you wake up every morning and you don't know what shoe is going to drop. And it's not only from Amazon, right? I mean, it's from your vendors. It's the announcement today that Sears is closing another 72 stores. That's going to impact somebody somewhere that we know in some way. Exactly. Exactly. It, it is interesting. I'm in a fortunate position that my fear of the change doesn't come from my vendors because I have vendors who have been smart enough to realize that selling to anybody and everybody doesn't mean they're going to sell more product. Um, so they, most of them have limited who they've taken on as their wholesale sources for Amazon and are very good about controlling that. Because face it, you know, if you're going to sell 100 widgets, it doesn't matter if you have two people selling them or 20 people. You're still only selling 100 widgets. It's just spread out over a whole bunch more people, which means more paperwork and more collections and more hassle. And, and you know, worry about other, you know, companies, you know, need money, so they're going to drop the price. When they know you, when you have a few people that, you know, they know that relationship is deeper and you could work out things, right? You could go to them saying, hey, I'm having trouble moving this product. You know, can we work something out? When you have a real sales rep, and I, I love that we have real sales reps. You are totally correct because I just had to do that. I had one bit of a line. I have one of my suppliers that carry like 600 SKUs from them, but I had one product that just sat here. And no matter what I did, I couldn't move this one product. And I only had 10 of them. So not a big deal, but they sat here for like a year. So I recalled him from the Amazon warehouse and called Rob up. I said, Rob, can you just take these back? They aren't selling. He's like, sure, no problem. I was like, That's isn't awesome. that great, you know? Well, you, I was thinking about your world too, because you sell in the craft world. And when I think about Sears and a Kmart and a um, some of those kind of companies, they touch into your world. Now, no deep, nowhere deep. I mean, they have, you know, what, 100 SKUs or something like that. But does those ch closes affect you? Um, you know what? No, I'm going to say no, because my 
craft niche is a slightly higher end stuff than you would find uh, at okay. Walmart or Kmart or anything. It's probably an, on the whole, a notch above what you'll find at a Michael's or Joann's, which are the big craft, big box stores, um, up into way ahead. So I've made a concerted effort. I don't sell the brands you can find at the big box craft stores because they aren't profitable because every other day, Michael's or Joann's has a buy one for 50% off coupon, right. you know, well, there's no way we can do that. So I don't carry those brands. Um, and that's a good lesson because what, what they would have told you is that, well, Charlene, look, nobody's getting it at a lower price than you. Nobody. Well, yes. If yeah, Michaels right. can offer a 50% off coupon off of one of them, that's 25% cheaper. Guess what? They're buying it cheaper than you are, right? And oh, we yeah. all know the, that. Yeah. We, yeah. And just because you get the lowest published price doesn't mean they aren't getting a price that isn't even published. You know, I mean, people can say, well, I'm buying in that column on the price list. That's the lowest price. Well, yeah, on the price list, Yeah, <laughs> but there may be other price lists or there may be unwritten prices too, you know? And in wholesale, isn't there, there are other terms that you can get, um, that give you discounts in other ways. Uh, you know, prepayment discounts, uh, uh, different different other ways. So the price is the price. However, your bill isn't necessarily your bill, right? It could be free shipping. It could be uh, free credit on your next invoice. Um, or you, advertising money. Yeah, advertising That's another money. one. Marketing dollars. You know, yeah, I run sponsored product ads on a lot of the lines I carry. And I have one of them who will um, pay for half of my advertising dollars up to a certain point. So that's so a that's discount. Yeah, it's a discount. Hmm. I mean, it allows me to advertise more because in my budget, if I have $100 and they're going to pay 50 I could still spend the 100 you know, and be ahead. So there's lots of little things. I have one that I love is a company who gives me net 30 terms. So that means I have 30 days to pay for the product. And then they let me pay for it with a credit card that gives me 2% cash back and nice. another 28 days float, basically. Nice. So if you time everything right, you theoretically could have almost two months to pay for the product and get the points or dollars back on your credit card. Now, at one time you had a significant number of SKUs. Do you still? I do. I actually have more than – I'm always increasing. Um, I try to add at least one SKU from a particular supplier every time I reorder, which is about once a week, um, just to test them. And they allow me to just buy one, which is wonderful. So it's an easy test. You know, now, you do small. small, light, and expensive. I remember That's those are right. the three yeah. things that were important <laughs> you to you. <laughs> yep. And uh, um, the small and the light are the two most important um, I have found that I have a certain product line that that accounts for a huge part of my business that is not expensive. The average selling price on it's about seventeen dollars, and I don't consider that expensive. But I sell a ton of them. I sell hundreds every day. Hmm. So you know, even though I only made four or five dollars each, when you sell hundreds of them, it adds up to real money pretty fast. Now, let's let's give a little context for people if they don't know your story. A, they should go back and listen to 76 because that's the real story. But one of the things that struck stuck in my mind is that you live in the middle of nowhere in paradise and you have no warehouse, right? You don't have right. any of those things. And so nope. it is, you know, by design, small and light. And what's interesting to me when you said that is that you're going a notch above the stores, pretty much all the retail stores, the way you described it, because there's not many... I guess there, I don't know if you have a dick there are, by you. There are, mom, there are mom and pop higher-end stores in the craft field, and though that's 
what I am. Okay. You know, so you're the I'm online not, version of it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. There's a Dick Blick in my market. Um, that's, you know. that's, he, they compete with me on some of my products. Okay. They are, they are there, but they are more the art side of arts and crafts. I'm more the craft side of arts and crafts, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. You know, they sense. carry a lot more painting and drawing and sculpting stuff where I carry a lot of textile stuff and, and jewelry making stuff and all that. But there's a point in the middle where we do meet. You know, the other thing that came up in our pre-discussion was how things are changing so rapidly outside of our control, right? And I was thinking about that when you have that number of SKUs, does, does that make you pause or is that the reason you're adding a SKU? Because you just know that at any moment I could lose this line. Um, hopefully not. I guess, like you said, you're not yeah, really worried on that side. I guess It's not so much losing the line. It's that things go out of style or okay. out of fashion. So one particular niche, micro niche in the crafts field may be great for six months or a year. And then people are tired of it and they move on to something else. So what I sold six months ago like crazy, I may not be able to sell as well now because not everybody's interested. They've moved on to some other technique or product or something like that. So how do you stay up on those trends? Because you're right, that is a that is a business that crocheting's hot today, but it might not be tomorrow or something. That's right. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um, adult coloring. Remember how you yeah, find adult yeah. coloring books? It's gone. I mean, it's still got a little toehold from the diehards. But the numbers are nowhere near what it was two years ago. Is that our you know? attention uh, span? Is that what it is? Yeah, and people did it because everybody else was yeah, doing it. Right, right, sure. And then they find out they really don't like it all that much. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's what happens with a lot of craft stuff is they find out they don't like it, you know, and then they move on. So, so do so you play in those trends, markets? Yeah. Do you play in those markets? I did. I got into the coloring market in a very very small way okay. with some very very high-end pens um that still um appeal to i don't want to say real artists but more serious artists you know um instead of that but i never got into it in any big way because i could see that it was going to be a fad you know it it grew too fast too quickly when you start seeing something in airport uh, gift shops, coloring books and pencils right. in airport gift shop, you know that it's it's a fad. It's the fidget spinner. It's there. Yes. Right. When everybody yeah. has it, you know, and they're That's all. That's right. But right. well, we were at a conf uh, trade show. I don't want to, I want to say it's New York now, but one of these trade shows and there was a, a, a office supply company um, and they had pens and I, because I had sold office supplies before and pens and stuff like that. And it, these were high end expensive pens. And I remember, and I might have told the story last time we talked, so if I did, I apologize. But it was basically the prices, it was a distributor. It turns out they were a distributor. And so even at the prices that they could get it down to, I couldn't find the price to match on Amazon. They were selling yeah. below map, so far below map, that it had to be a distributor selling direct. That's the only way somebody could make money. Yeah. And so yeah. there was no way I could get in the middle there. Are you seeing that in your world? Um, with some of the, what I call the kind of fringe products that I sell. Yeah. But, um, and one particular vendor, um, in, in, it just pops to mind, but for the most part, I've been fortunate that the, 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 the wholesalers I've found in most cases are the manufacturer and they know that their strong suit is developing and manufacturing products, not retailing them. Hmm. So they are very clear that that's not what we do. Um, 
we're better, you know, designing, inventing, designing something and making it than um, trying to retail it. So um, those are the kind of vendors people need to look for. And, and ask. Ask well, them if they sell themselves to Let's to talk about that retail. a second. Yeah. Because well, I want to go to trade shows, and I want to talk about it because you're an expert at trade shows or finding wholesale accounts. Um, and so I think we should talk about that because it, it's more than just going up. Uh, last trade show, is that everybody? You're the eighth person that told me you can fix Amazon for me, Steve. Come on, <laughs> right? That's what they're saying to you, right? Yeah. Um, I'm finding that they know a lot more about it, so they're much more educated, but it's still a big issue. What, what do you say, uh, what other questions are you asking? Because I think it's important just not to find an account. You want to find an account that works for both of you. I think that's right, really exactly. important. So let's talk about that. So, yeah, it can't be all about you. It has to work for them, too, or there's no point. So, yeah, that's that kind of, you know, the only deal is a deal when both people are unhappy kind of that old saying. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be good for both of you. So I ask flat out do you sell on Amazon as a manufacturer? I'll, you know, and I'll have done my homework before. I'll look at the list of booths and I will check before, but I just want to see what they say. And then I will ask, do you sell to Amazon? That's the big one, you know, and you will find a lot of vendors think that's the holy grail of their, their businesses. Once Amazon starts buying their products, They've got it made. It was like everybody used to say about Walmart. Yeah, once Walmart takes my product, and then you look at the people that are at Walmart, and they're like, man, this is the biggest mistake I made. They're killing us on on everything from taking 120 days to pay to returns, um, wanting you to take back all customer returns to um, changing PO numbers. So you get a nice little 1,000-unit PO from Amazon, and – Two months later, as you're busy manufacturing all the products, they say, no, we really only want 100 now. So what do you do with the other 900, you know? Zero. We didn't really mean that zero. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But And if you look at their terms um, in their their vendor terms, those are things that they have the right to do. They are ruthless to their suppliers. Hmm. So especially small businesses, small manufacturers – it may not be the best thing in the world for them to sell to Amazon because they may not be able to afford to wait 90 days for payment or in some cases 120 days for payment. They may need to pay their employees now. And that's where we come in. We can say, well, yeah, we'll pay for it before we get it. So when you say that, that opens up the door. I mean, are you afraid of an account where they sell themselves online and then you would be the second account? Do you yeah, go I don't for those like days? That. Okay, now, you don't, don't like that deal either. I don't either. like those so much because they have all the power in the pricing. Right. Meaning, even if they have map pricing in place, they don't have to abide by it. Hmm. Right? That's a big one. So, but that account is somebody I wouldn't, if they're, if they're not trustworthy, I wouldn't want to be with them anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So, I tend not to. Um, fortunately, a lot of the small companies I deal with um, just don't, they want to be on Amazon, but they don't want to learn about it. Right. They're like brains are maxed out with all the things it takes to invent and develop a product and manage the production and all that. They want to be on Amazon for sure, but they don't want to have to do it. So that's where people like you and I come in. Yeah, it's a good point. So thinking about the accounts that you deal with where you have 600 SKUs from one vendor, right? That's a lot of different pieces. Yep. 
I guess we don't consider because here we are and we're in the private label world, some of us, and we're bringing one product to market. And yeah, we see how difficult it is for one product. And and we have the luxury today of all these sourcing agents and all these freight forwarders and all this stuff that we didn't they didn't exist not long ago. And here this vendor is letting you sell six hundred of their how many? Uh, one of them's got like six seven thousand okay so they're bringing in six thousand products because they yeah. have to reinvent these things it's not like they can get it there and then let it go for 20 years generally most things have to get retooled and yes re exactly that's yeah. i mean we're talking one product and we're overwhelmed can you imagine six or seven thousand this one they have uh most of their products are made in india and they have agents who are there full-time supervising the production of the products um just because of those numbers and they can't afford things to go wrong because they're a really, really well-known name and they can't afford for things to, you know, slip through the cracks and the quality not be there. So, um, so I'm happy to let them do that part cause I right. don't want to. Right. I know? can't imagine what that's like. And then for you to step in and take the other part off of them is a valuable thing. Tell me this, why do they want to use you as opposed to, I mean, is that piece of their business getting taken away from the whoever the retailers are that are still left are those are those retailers exempt from this move to the internet are they feeling the crunch are they going out of business well here's the thing i found in the crafts and arts and crafts market um not everybody has a store within driving distance that carries these kind of things i mean i'm the perfect example the closest store to me would be salt lake city and that's <laughs> 300 miles. I'm not going to drive that far. Can you, can you bring home a loaf of bread on your way home, honey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you think of how many Americans are in that same situation. So pick the niche you're in. Let's just say it's artisan made jewelry. Okay. That's what you're selling. How many people live near an artisan jewelry store? Hmm. You know, probably not as many as you think. So you have the opportunity to sell to all those people who don't have a brick and mortar store available to them. I don't know that, that I scrape off a lot of business from the brick and mortar stores because in the arts and crafts field, there's something to be said for going and touching and seeing and looking and all that, you know? Um, so those buyers are dedicated to their stores that it, right. it, it's not right. like they're going to buy one and then they go, or they go in the store and they match it online and do all that just because it's one offs and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I just don't see that, that those are the same people who okay. I'm getting on Amazon. I mean, I've had feedback come back that said, I went to my local knitting store to buy this, and they were all sold out. So yeah. I got bought it on Amazon. Well, that's the local knitting store's problem that they didn't stay in stock, you know? Um, right. That's not an um, internet competition issue. That's a right. poor inventory management you know, exactly. issue. Exactly. So <laughs> I have no guilt in stealing those kind of customers. Because they made a choice by not staying in stock, and I was, and there you go. So um, I'm having owned a brick-and-mortar store, I understand um, the difficulties and all that, but I also understand the advantages they have um, in the arts and crafts niche. The touchy-feely thing is huge, and I can't do that online. Well, and I think, you know, it's important for people to understand is that the reason you're doing so well in the arts and crafts world is because you did have a retail store and that is your life. You enjoy that piece of that world. It's not an easy business just to run a scraper on and just no. source these things uh -uh. because, hey, there's so many SKUs and then you have to go deep on them. And then all of a sudden you're 2,000, 3,000 SKUs in and we're talking pennies on some of these things. How about this? 
because you are, her group, Charlene's group is called Wholesale Sourcing Experts. Um, so that's the Facebook group, and it's a paid group if you're interested in it, and I'll put a link to it. But in your group, what do you advise people because obviously you don't want them to go into your world because that's not their love. And maybe it is, but probably not. We have a few in the group who are in the same okay. world because they love it. That's what they were interested in before they ever joined the group. So let's talk about when somebody new comes to the group and they're like, you know, Charlene, I, you know, I just don't know where to start. What's your advice? You got to pick a niche. Definitely. You have to pick a niche. You cannot just be out there looking for wholesalers willy nilly in every category you can think of. Well, what's a niche I, to you? Tell me what, what that would mean to, to you. To me, a niche is would all the things you're looking for work in a brick and mortar store? That's the way I've explained uh, it. So, so okay. you don't have to say that I'm gonna sell clothing. It could be that you're gonna sell beach things that includes clothing, but that also means you can sell towels and sand chairs and sunscreen and all those related things. So it's a so store to, theme. Is that the better way to say that's it? How, yeah, that's how I think is the easiest way for people to understand because that's they get hung up in the Amazon categories. Right. Well, I want to sell in the home and garden category. Well, what does that mean? Right. That's lawnmowers well, yeah. to, uh, yeah, exactly. I don't to, know. To, weed killer. To weed killer. Right. To dog stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, right. so you have to at least, start narrowing down as to where you're going to start looking. Otherwise, where do you start looking? There's, it's like, it's, it's endless, the things you can sell. So you need to pretend you're going to start a brick and mortar store. And what am I going to sell? Well, you know, it could be that you're going to, you live in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and you're going to sell all Southwestern related things. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't, you know, or you live in New York and you're going to sell all Apple themed things for the big Apple. So that could be huge because that's everything from decor to food, you know, to clothing. But it's Apple. To gifts. It's Apple related. Know? So so when yeah. people are searching, you're going to be known as the Apple person. When you're right. buying, you, you're buying with that mindset, hey, I'm looking for your Apple related stuff. Smart. Exactly. Smart. Or, you know, there, there are stores that sell just left-handed things. Yeah. There's a store that sells just purple things. Hmm. So what, whatever it is that you're starting in the wholesale space you have to narrow it down somewhere you can also narrow it down by trade shows right? right so trade shows and i'm not talking about general shows like asd i'm talking about more specific shows like the national hardware show or the houseware show in chicago or the new york stationery show or new york now you mentioned that um by having that niche, then you know what shows you can start looking at, or you can look at the shows and develop niches that way. But I think the worst thing to do when you're starting out wholesale is to go to a generalized show like ASD and think that's going to solve your problems. Yeah. Because yeah. there's there's no relationship from one thing to the other there. There's no overlying theme. Now, they're likely, if you're in that theme, let's go back to the Apple theme. There are likely, you know, 20, 30, 40, maybe 300 vendors that sell Apple-related stuff. And if you knew that in advance, that would be helpful, right? That would help you because you can't get through the whole thing. I mean, you can't even get through one building to do it right. Um, so that would allow you something to do. Yeah, there has to be some way of narrowing down the whole world of retail products in some way. And it also, it has to be something that you will be happy living, breathing, thinking at 24-7. So for me, I use the example, I could never sell toys. I don't have children. I don't know anything about toys. And I don't find, them in, find it interesting. 
So that would be torture. That would be hating my business because I'd have to think about toys all the time. I'd have to look at what the trends are coming. I would have to go to do um, focus groups, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't want to do it for toys. Arts and crafts, yeah, I'm happy as a clam to do it for that. So you've got to remember, no matter what it is you're selling, I think you have to like it. And that's where we have an advantage over the data-driven people that just scrape listings and look for stuff to sell. Well, I think there's a valid point in what you just said because you know what's selling because you're in that niche. So when you see similar products or you're looking for complementary products, you just you already know that you can tag it and sell it, right? I mean, that's a that's important. I think like you say when you're selling when you're a Walmart approach to this business, A, you don't have enough money. Um, B, it doesn't work. And you'll never get, you'll, you'll tread, I don't even know if you'll tread water. You'll never make it in any of those areas uh, deep. Uh, and you'll be miserable sense? doing it. Yeah. yeah, and you'll be miserable at the same time, which to me is even worse. You know, we kind of do this business because we don't want to be unhappy at our job. So, you know, we've chosen to start our own business. Yeah, that doesn't do sound that. like freedom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it's got to be something that you're willing and happily think think and breathe and eat 24-7, whatever that niche may be. And it may be something that I would absolutely hate, but that doesn't matter because right. you're the one who has to love it. Do you recommend a number of vendors that new sellers start with? So they're in wholesale, they're, they're, they pick their, their theme, and I think that's a better way to say than niche because, it, like you said, people go to categories in Amazon. We don't mean it that way. Yeah. Nit, no. It's no. a theme, and I think that's a better description uh, visually. So they pick their beach theme. And now they're getting ready to start working for vendors. How many do you recommend when they're starting out? Uh, the first one's always the hardest. Yeah. Well, so, so one, mean, once, all right, one isn't easy. All one, right, you recommended um, one. It all depends on how many SKUs each of them carry. Okay. You could th theoretically, you could run a successful Amazon business um, with just one of my vendors. But is that a good um, plan? Um, I don't think so. Because I don't want everything tied just to one vendor. Right, because you don't I know mean, their succession plan. You don't know what's going on in that world. And right? that's a very good point, the succession plan. I don't. I know the owner quite well. I know his right-hand woman very, very well. But I don't know what his plans are. He got the business from someone else when the person sold it about 15 years ago. So it has happened once. Fortunately, a great person, to person took it over, but you don't know what's going to happen. Right. So um, I definitely suggest more than one. Um, but I also suggest that people go wide, not deep when they start sourcing. That means buy as few as possible until you know it's going to sell. Like two and or then three. Don't go crazy. Yeah. I mean, I've got tons of my vendors will let me buy one to three is their, their minimum on stuff. Um, because you don't know how long it'll last. And I've got an interesting conundrum going on right now. I have a book that I'm selling and it's a really expensive book. It's retails for almost $70 that I buy directly from the author. Um, he wanted me to do Amazon because he didn't want to, he has a regular job, um, but wrote this fabulous book, um, in the crafts niche that is like the go-to thing. So I'm selling it for him, but it's been on the market now about eight months. Um, it used to be when I'd get a shipment of them in, I would sell out like overnight. You know, I'd put up the 36 books because they came in and they would be gone the next morning. I merchant fulfill them because I never had time to get them into FBA. 
you know, so, but now it's slowing down. I got a shipment in yesterday and I've only sold two. Oh, so you can tell everybody who has this very expensive craft book pretty much has it, you know? Um, so I think it's a book that will pick up again at Christmas because it will be one that people will buy as a gift for, for someone. Um, but you know, I didn't want to order pallets and pallets of the book because every product has a life cycle, you know, and you have to know the minute things start slowing down to back off on your orders too. Cause you don't want to be stuck with, you know, a warehouse full of stuff that's now unsellable. Now, in that case, would you consider sending it into FBA or something different or, or like you said, sponsored ads or something like that? Do some well, I run, I run sponsored ads and he is a very well-known name in this this craft niche. Okay. Um, and he he does classes and webinars and um, and does enough social media stuff on his own. But um, I will continue to keep it in stock. I think I'm still going to merchant fulfill it. Um, just because I have enough of the book fold boxes to put them in and it's pretty simple. Um, and the margins are far better and there's nobody else selling it on Amazon. So it's either me or nobody. You know, if there were other people, then definitely I would send it into FBA. I think this is another point that you just mentioned that is really important for new sellers coming on. Keep it simple, right? Um, when you're starting out, complication you're gonna have enough complications right i mean there's just so many moving pieces oh, yeah. to this world keeping it simple is that how does that advice go uh, you have to especially if you're running a one person or a two or three person business um i made choices when i started the business on how i wanted to run it one i didn't want a warehouse um two i didn't want employees just because i didn't want to have to get dressed and go somewhere to work especially when it's 40 below and snowing um, two warehouses are incredibly expensive here. You know, I have a 10 by 10 storage unit for all the, you know, the winter stuff in the summer and the summer stuff in the winter. And it's a couple hundred dollars a month Wow! just for an unheated storage unit. So, um, so warehouse space, you know, you're looking for 5,000 minimum plus utilities. So no, I didn't want that. So, um, so my limiting factors are those two things, right? I can only, um, I only have enough space for so much stuff and I don't want employees to supervise. So I have to find a way to either process it myself or use a prep center. And I've chosen to process it myself mainly because the vast majority of my products don't have UPCs, which means the person prepping it could very easily make a mistake. Right. Right. And so there's a lot. Because they all look alike, you know. But they're small, valuable, and light, Steve. Remember that. Exactly. It's stuck in my head. Small, valuable, and light. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? I have another um, kind of benchmark that I use. I usually ship one box at a time because I can get several hundred units of almost everything in one box. And I want $500 profit on that box. Nice. So, you know, those are my parameters. So... Um, if I get things where only four of them will fit in a box and I only make $20 each, that doesn't fit my parameters too well, does it? I only made $80 on the whole box instead of $500. So you'll walk away going forward on that product? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's smart. I mean, that's yeah. really smart. I think I, I use a hassle factor for me. If it's a hassle, oh, you, oh, you I don't want it. Yeah. yeah. I don't like hassles. Yeah. I don't want to have to do extra bubble wrapping of stuff. I bag everything. I poly bag and... Um, I have a nice little foot operated sealer, but most of my bags are like four by 10 is my most used bag. 
and the things in it are almost flat. So you can see how fast that can be processed. You know, and um, having seen how stuff comes back from the Amazon warehouse, I still a firm believer that everything should be polybagged, no matter what it is. But I agree. I, I I don't disagree. We sell books, and no matter what book, I always tell you know, my wife and my son same thing. I don't care how it goes out; it goes in a polybag because I just assume it's going to get wet somewhere. That's and, right. And we've been selling for books for oh god, I don't know, almost ten years, and it's like I've never had a complaint about a wet book. Now, I've had other complaints, but that. Take away those things, and by, poly- by polybagging every item, you're taking away, generally, the possibility of it getting mixed up into something else. Yeah, that's very true, too. And if the, the, um, the FN SKU label is on under the polybag, then odds are that label isn't going to come off either, which is another plus. Ooh, is that a pro you know? tip? Hold on. Pause, pause, pause. <laughs> let's just hear that again. So you sell a lot of small and light. So let's just use an example. You're selling knitting needles. Okay, so those knitting needles, uh, let's just say we're going to take and put them in a poly bag. So you would somehow band them together so they stay together and then put a label on the inside of the bag? Well, knitting needles come in a poly bag already, Um, usually with a hole punched in the top so a retail store could hang them on a hook system, you know. Um, So I just put the label on that poly bag that they come in from the manufacturer and put it in another poly bag and then heat seal the top and done. So the label's inside, it can't get knocked off in the warehouse or anything like that. And um, lots of knitters use those manufacturers' poly bags to store their things in. So they like it nice and fresh. They don't want it all chewed up from the Amazon warehouse. So it does make it look nicer that way too. Hmm. All right, so let's continue on the trade show. So one of the things that you, you talk about a lot is how to approach a trade show. I think your advice early on was sound, which is look, look for the ones that are tied to your niche because it's not a big time waster. The other little hint and clue you dropped in there, I, I'm paying attention, is <laughs> do the research up front. Know who the vendors yep. are. Look yep. in advance at their products. What do they sell on Amazon? How deep is their catalog? Because one of the best conversations you have with the vendor is, hey, I see that you have these you know, red and blue and yellow on Amazon, but let me tell you, black and white also purple. sell yeah. purple yeah. and exactly. you do not can i bring them for you to the amazon marketplace exactly that's exactly right and one one other thing about doing that is it's flattering to for people to know that you have looked up their products oh yeah that's a good point. you know it's flattering that you thought enough that before you got to the booth you did a little research on them now i don't research all the show i'm going to next week has like 600 booths um i knock out the ones that are totally out of my niche meaning they sell things that are either too big, too heavy, too cheap, um, knowing there's not enough margin on them, whatever. So you can knock off probably half of them that way. And then you can go through and knock off the ones you already sell, their stuff. You want to stop by and see them, definitely, but you don't need to do any research. And you'll probably have um, a half a dozen to a dozen left of ones that seem promising, and those are the ones you research. It's great stuff to do on the plane, um, buy a Wi-Fi pass and do it, or in your hotel room in, in the evening. And you then are in a position of uh, with knowledge. How does this work? For you being a woman, in the craft world, are most retailers women or are they men? And then the vendors, are they men or women? Um, mostly in my, my world in the craft niche, women dominate. 
both Though as vendors and as retailers? And whole, yes, both. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Definitely. Okay. There are a couple of men in the, the niches who are very, very big names, and those are usually long-term family companies that started 100 years ago, and they're the fourth generation to run it. Um, that's where the men seem to have come in. There are far fewer men developing new products in this niche than there are women because more women do the stuff so they know what's needed. And men you know? aren't as smart. They're not as smart. Well, we well know. I'm not It's true. Say that. I'll say it. It's true. You know, if, if maybe if they did more crafting, they would see what's missing in the market. Let's just put it that way. So you don't run into, hey, you just these, you know, dealing with the, the, the ladies as opposed and the men stuff. You don't deal with that. I, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care what, what yeah. someone is when they're selling, you know. I meant the difficulties, you know, sometimes um, where you're getting spoke to, spoken to. Oh, I've had it happen. Um, not so much in my major niche, but in some of my smaller ones when I've gone to shows. Like, I'll be there waiting for someone to finish talking. And surprisingly enough, women do this more than men, which is even more annoying. So they're talking to somebody, and I'm there waiting, and I've made eye contact because I want to start talking to them about their products. And a guy will walk up. They will drop the person they're talking to and go to that guy no right kidding. over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that just tells me something, right? It's not a company they, you want to work with. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, and I won't. You know, there is, that's, that's really um, poor training. Their managers have trained them wrong because they don't know where the money is. Hmm. How do you know that that guy has more to spend on product than I do? You don't. Hmm. You know? So, so... Unfortunately, it's sad to say that women do it more than men, um, but it's also women of a certain age who were in business in far more difficult times than now, you know, when there were few women sales reps and all of that. So hopefully it'll change. Hmm. Now, uh, do you still recommend uh, for new people coming in the best way to find accounts is to go to trade shows or is the best way to use a little thing called Google and uh, look up a little a new company, a minor company, yeah, and look yeah. up uh, uh, accounts that way and then reach out to them that way. What, what's your advice? I think you need to do both. Okay. Nothing beats a trade show for seeing the products in person and talking with the people in person. Because as you said at the beginning, this business is all about relationships. All business is all about relationships. But this one is because... If, you know, somebody has two vendors to pick from to give the Amazon account to and they know one of them personally and they've yeah. talked to them at a trade show and they've had a nice conversation and the other one is just someone who sent them an email, who are they going to pick? Right? It's, that's human nature. They're going to pick the one they have the relationship with. So I think, I think you can do well when you start by finding um, wholesalers online um, through trade journals, through trade organizations. But I think to really grow and like make yourself known in whatever product sourcing you're doing, you have to do the face-to-face -face at shows. Um, we have a group member who was terrified about going to a show. And she has a very lockdown niche, which is easy to articulate. And there are several trade shows a year that work for her niche. And she wouldn't go and she wouldn't go and she was terrified, and she says, I'll never know what to say to the people. Well, she finally went to one of them. And the day after she got there, I got a text message with her in one of the booths with this big old smile on her face looking at the products. 
she says she couldn't believe that she wasted several years being afraid of going. So um, they aren't going to bite you at, in a booth. No, you they know? want to sell to you. I mean, they want to sell it. to you. Yeah. They need you as much as you need them. So I really do think that you need to get to a show. And if you live in an area um, where you could drive to shows, and if you don't go, you are effectively killing your business. And you every, really are. Every major city has them. I mean, right. I was just in Atlanta last week or the week before. I don't even know. They all run together. And the Atlanta March downtown, right? So uh-huh. uh, as you mentioned, Chicago um, with the, um, the housewares and Vegas, Las Vegas. has 20,000 trade shows a year. 20,000. Yep. Yep, you got you, you you can find one for sure. I think so. I want to go to so many. I don't have time. I could mm. go to a trade show every week and find something to buy. You know, um, the the one thing you do have to be careful of is the little tiny shows where you may only find one thing, and you have to factor in how much it costs you to get there and stay. So if you have to fly, you need to pick bigger shows. But um, L.A. has shows. I've been to one trade show four different times at the Anaheim Convention Center. Hmm. They have shows they have shows everywhere. New York Denver has, has shows. Gazillion you know? shows. Yeah. Yeah. New Miami. York. Oh my God. Miami's yeah. another one. Uh tons Orlando. Of shows. Yep. Yeah, Orlando too. The big surf show is in Orlando. You know, I mean there's um Denver stole the outdoor retailer show from Salt Lake City. That's because weed's legal uh, there. That's why. That's why <laughs> everybody it, goes it, to no. Denver. It was because of Utah's stand on public lands is why. Um, and we Meaning they didn't want to protect them as much. But anyway, there are shows everywhere for everything. Hmm. You name a niche and I can find you a show. Okay, so here's the one thing I don't want you guys to do. I don't want you to Google XYZ wholesale. Okay, that word wholesale has been co-opted by wholesale to the public people, you know, lumber liquidators is wholesale to the public stuff. That's not the kind of So that's of just a generic term. So here it I googled is. I googled this one. Tell me if this is a good one to do. I use Google and I put in wholesale jewelry. Take a guess on how many results came back. Um, and this should be easy to get through. I could probably spend this in an afternoon. Take a guess. Oh, probably 100,000. Uh 307. Yeah. yeah. Million Million, oh my God, yeah. 307 right. million results. So I could do that this afternoon, go through all those, yeah, right? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You'll be able to qualify <laughs> yeah. half of those, won't yeah, you? Yeah, sure, yeah. Nah. That's so overwhelming. What you, sh- what you should do is, first of all, narrow down what kind of jewelry you're looking for, where, uh, what style you're looking for. Do you want boho necklaces? What is that, uh, boho? Bohemian, that bo- boho is short for bohemian. It's kind of the hippie kind I'm of look. I'm just such a non-guy. I'm such a guy. Yeah. Nick You're such says, a guy. Hold on. I'm going to do this. Bo- uh, wholesale boho jewelry. I don't even know if I spelled jewelry right. I didn't. So I guess I should put the E in the right space. That does help. Um, and then I'm going to do that again. Wholesale boho jewelry necklaces. We're down to 14 million. Okay. Well, so there's there's you get the point, right? Yeah, you right, have to right. narrow it down. And you may want made in India. You know, ah. or artisan in there, or fair trade is another one. Maybe you, maybe your niche is fair trade, so you, you know, you want to look for those. Um, maybe you want African ex- inspired. You know, so you have to narrow it down. And here's the great thing: once you've narrowed it down, then you can start widening the net little by little by little. By doing that, just so you know, and I think this is a good example, we went from 310 million, now we're down below 300,000. But it, and it, I know that's still way too many. I mean, it is, obviously. But 
just at that example, I mean, just think about that. We took zeros off the end of that by just getting more specific. And here you can and get adding a lot another more word. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's so smart. Exactly. So, so that's a way to start. Um, if you're waiting for your trade show to, to start in, you know, three months or whatever, you booked your tickets, you're ready to go. Um, there's going to be a list on that trade show website of all the vendors who are there. Start looking at them now, right? Like you, you said, got, you got time. But you Do take research. right. Get rid of the first ones that you're already buying from. Boom, or right. you don't want to buy from that you already knew that you didn't like yeah. before. Whatever. Boom, they're gone. And then you're going to narrow it down by your specific niche. You're going to see if they sell on Amazon. You're going to see if they sell their whole catalog. You're going to have all that information. So when you go up there, you're going to be. Let me face. Let's face it. You're going to be the most informed person that they're going to talk to that day, more than likely. And who do they want to talk to? Right. That Somebody person who knows their business. Right, exactly. Who understands the product? Because me selling toys would be stupid because I wouldn't even know how to target a particular toy to someone. But I can tell you who's going to buy that crap thing, you know. Um, so this business is all about educating yourself, probably at a far past faster pace than it's ever been. Because I, you are old enough to remember the days of the Thomas registers at the library oh, where you yeah. go to look up stuff. Sure. You know. Gee, we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to go sit for six hours at the public library with that book looking for sources because that's what I did for my brick and mortar. And these store. are fifty-pound yeah. books. I mean, these aren't little books. Yeah, yeah, um, huge. It, one, two things that I hear from people that I think we ought to get to is um, my friend invented this thing and she wants me to sell it on Amazon. That's number one. And number two is. But isn't all the stuff already out there, already existing on Amazon? There's no opportunity for it. There's, a, there's so many people selling uh, boho jewelry necklaces that are fair trade made in India already. There's nothing left for me. So those are two different examples. Let's talk about both of them. Okay. I have learned the hard way. Don't do business with friends. Yeah. So the inventor is out. <laughs> The inventor's out right there. I might pass them on to someone in our group who sells in that niche. Um, but I've learned I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk a friendship over a business deal. If they're a, an important friend, I'm not, you know, and I've had lots of people ask me, you know, kind of that same question, you know, can you help me market this or whatever? It's like, no, sorry. I like you too much to do it. But Susie Smith here, I can recommend, she does a really good job on Amazon and she sells in this niche. So that's the first one. Other people may have a different story. But if you kind of look at the history of business, you know, all the stuff we can read about, partnerships don't last. They don't really work. Somebody's feelings are hurt. Somebody sues somebody else, you know. I mean, Jobs and Wozniak weren't speaking at the end, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So um, so that's just my personal take. Okay, so, um, so the inventor's out. Um, you'll steer them with some guidance, right. with some with some educated guy. I mean, we shouldn't downplay this. This is an educated, hey, I'm letting you possibly into my network um, where I filtered out crazy. I filtered out somebody. I Here's somebody I trust. Boom. That's a big help. That might be as much help as you can give them. And I think your advice is that way you're staying in arm's length transaction. Um, right. And, and then you, it becomes between them and another business person, not not them and their friend. Okay. You know? All right. There's the advice it, there. It, yeah. Yeah. That's good. The second thing about everything's on Amazon. Everything. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Sorry, but no, it's not. I mean, there is a lot on Amazon, but every day I see stuff that's not. 
I, I think a great way to research products is, um, and this is what I recommend people in my group do, and I give them homework, is you have to subscribe to email newsletters from brick and mortar stores in your niche. Okay, so back to the boho jewelry one. Find a brick and mortar store who sells that kind of jewelry. And it doesn't have to be near you. It can be across the country, but one who sells the stuff you like selling. Find a couple of those, subscribe to their email newsletters. Also subscribe to email newsletters from online merchants of those same products. Because I have found several really, really good sellers for me and kind of evergreen products because they're they're useful enough over 10 or 20 years that they're not they're not hot but they aren't you know uh dead either but what are you seeing there so you're getting these newsletters what do you see in there i found some of those products from these newsletters so they're saying hey we we have this new product in our store exactly okay okay exactly and one of them is a woman in israel who invented a product um in the crafts field great product i mean um i found it through an online merchant newsletter. And I saw it, and the first thing I did was type in the name in Amazon. It's like, mm, it's not there. It's brilliant. Um, so she was very easy to find online. And I contacted her, and boom, I've been selling that product brilliant. for probably five years on Amazon. Brilliant. And it's another small, light, expensive, so I can get you know, a box of them shipped from Israel, um, FedEx, it's $85. And the profit on that box is about 900 after the shipping. And, so, and yeah. This conversation goes differently. Now you're dealing right with that individual. She's flattered because you're going to bring her to the world's largest marketplace. Right. Um, and if you do it right, do you ask right up front, hey, I want to bring your product, but you're going to get bombarded when they see how great your product is. I really would appreciate you staying exclusive with me. Do you have that conversation exact, right up front? I did have this conversation with her, and it, in this case, it was over the phone. Um, oh, even better. Um, and she understood it. Um, I said, I don't need a formal written agreement or anything. I trust your word that that's it. And she says, well, we have one other person who is on Amazon once in a while. You know, she didn't buy in the numbers I bought. And I said, I totally understand because that makes me feel even better that you respect her because she was there first. Yeah, you know, right, right. That's a kind of thing. good clue for the future past. Yeah, right? she sold, this product comes in four sizes and this other woman had one size. Okay. Um, so that's fine. The other woman has fallen off the face of the earth and I've been on the four listings by myself for probably four years now. Awesome. And she's, so that handshake over the phone was fine. Um, I find, you know, that that kind of uh, approach is far less scary for a manufacturer, especially if they're new, than this big old written document, you know, that I want 20 pages of stuff signed. And I had an attorney draft one of those, but I've never used it. Yeah, nobody wants that stuff. Just because it's it's off-putting. And if you're, you know, a one-person shop, you know, manufacturing this product that you invented – um, it could be scary. You know, you think, what's in that 20 pages that I'm missing, that they're going to try to pull something over right. on what's me? What's my obligation? <coughs> right. Well, that's a, that's a good so, point. So I, I like the asking for exclusives, but you really have to tread lightly. And it wouldn't be the very first thing I brought up. Because I've heard of some people say at, at trade shows, and this is at ASD especially, that peop, they've seen people go into a booth and say, do you sell on Amazon? No. Can you give me an exclusive? No. And then they leave. Who wants to deal with that kind of right. stuff? Not even introducing yourself and talking, you know? 
that's that's kind of like being a data scraper you know kind of thing oh there's a market for that i mean hey there you know data scrapers i mean there is a business model for that and i think that that takes a special kind of business mind to do that and it's all in the numbers period it's not loving your product you're not building a long-term business on one product you're building a I don't know, a widget business. I don't, I don't know what to call it. You're building a software business, yeah, really. Right. And, and You're and that not model even building works. a retail business. Right, but know? that model works. And, and you know, I always say to people, hey, if that's what you're into and you're good at it, more power to you. If you love doing that, yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah because you would have to love it, you know, doing it. Well, because also, it gets old. Oh, my God, could you imagine? You know, that would be, uh, to me, horrible, but that's fine. I'm not, I'm not even in love with Excel, you know, so though I love numbers, I love the numbers part of the business, but doing it all day like that without having a relationship to the products is to me, not, not satisfying to my soul, you know, that, that then it's all about numbers and I don't want to make 2%, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'm happy with my 30 at the end of everything, you know, um, I, and I that do. kind of dis- dispels another myth that that the margins are really small in wholesale. They can be, yeah. definitely. Well, if you're going, but they don't have to be. If you're going to sell erasers or pencils that you can buy at you know the dollar store, there's a reason that you can buy them at the dollar store, right? That means they're paying less than thirty three cents or whatever their right. number is, right? That means anybody could sell them for that. And so, yes, uh, that's not a real profitable bit. What are you going to make on it? Ooh, you know, twenty cents, right? That's not, yeah. Even margin-wise, it doesn't matter. Um, but in that Israel example is a perfect example, right? Uh, thin market, but one seller. <laughs> so yeah. you're serving the whole market. That's a big deal. Yeah, and the beautiful thing is she has now trademarked her brand name, and we've worked through brand registry for her, mm. you know? Powerful. And it was easy for me to help her by pointing her to legal zoom for the trademark and all that kind of stuff. See, that's value that you offer. We, we had somebody, we have a a client in our warehouse and we were taking pictures for them the other day. Nobody does that stuff. We were doing some, you know, some lifestyle pictures for them and that when you do those extra things, that's where your relationships get deeper and we have no expectation. We don't want anything. It's just, Hey, we want to help you sell more. That's right. That's when it's, that's when it's win-win. I mean, to me, that vendor is thinking, oh, my God, you just saved my butt. You just helped me in ways I don't know. Um, and that's very cool. Hey, let yeah, me ask and you. Oh, leaving with that good feeling, too. They'll leave there feeling really good about you, you know? I want to make sure I get to this because this is important. Um, the last time I had you on, I talked about being in business with a spouse, but yet similar businesses. Now you guys uh-huh. have complementary businesses and he helps you and you help him. That's still working? It is. All right. It is. I, yep. I, I just know somebody would ask me, he's like, hey, how's that going? Because what I love about is that you're independent. You get to do your thing, he does his thing, and yet there is some crossover, right? There's some common things. Sure, I, like if a big shipment comes in, I'll help him process, you know? That's a helpful um, thing. That's if he cool. wants some advice on a product, you know, I'll, I'll give the advice. But for us, it means that I don't have to, have to answer to him as to what I do in my business, and he doesn't have to answer to me. And especially on the weekends, as he works a 9-to-5 job, I don't have to feel bad 
or angry if he wants to go out and do something on the weekend instead of working on the business. Right. Because it's his business, right? It, you know, and if if he wants to spend his time not working on it, that's totally his choice. I know myself well enough that I would be sitting there fuming while he's out, you know, um, hiking in the Tetons instead of working on Sunday when there's stuff he could be doing. It would make me angry, and I don't want to be that way. You know? I think it's a very healthy. I think that's very healthy for a relationship, and I think it's a great. Uh, that was episode one ninety seven. We got into that, and I think there's some couples out there that might not be getting along in their combined business. That maybe separating and kind of you know pursuing on your own together could also take away some of that pressure, or maybe just doing lines or whatever. However, it works out. I think there's power yeah, and, in that. and we have totally separate everything. Uh, separate Amazon accounts that were approved by Amazon. Everything is totally separate. We're both LLCs of our own. We both have trademark names and all that. And it works fine, you know. He can put as much time in as he wants, and I don't have to feel angry that he's not putting in as much as I think he should, Hmm. you know. Nice. So in your group, um, Wholesale Sourcing Experts, and again, I'm going to have links for all that. One of the things Charlene does is takes really this approach, as you can hear, of helping people kind of navigate um, smartly. And I think that's, that's really important to hear this. There's a smart approach. Uh, there's a real smart way to do this. And there's a, there's a shotgun approach. And you really preach, because I watch you in that group, you really <laughs> preach about, you know, narrowing your focus, narrowing your niche, or as I, for me, for to hear, is that like theme. That. Well, no, I think yeah. niche is the right word. I just, I don't, it's such a broad word for me, because again, like I probably, like every guy goes right to the Amazon category. And it, like you said. See, and that's the problem. So right. I, I do like the word theme, you and know, so, what is your brick and mortar store? What would it look like yeah. if you had one? Yeah, and, and it's funny, in, in the podcast world, they call it an avatar. Who's your avatar, Steve? Who are you talking to? Talk to that one person. Don't worry about anybody else. And so this is really similar. So you're going to sell that theme, that our beach theme, and then Charlene helps you really stay focused and really helps. I've even seen you pull out, like you said, a couple trade shows, like, hey, here's the here's a trade show related to it. Take away your excuses. Get going yeah. and oh, go do the work. Yeah. yeah, it's just, I, I think it's kick, a very... little kick in the rear. Yeah, yeah, there's no, you're not sugarcoating it, but it's a very polite way. And I think that, you know, I tell people all the time, they're always like, hey, what's the group, Steve? Tell me the one, the one group. And I'm like, no, you, who's right for you? To me, that's right. the most important thing. You, who do you connect with? Who resonates with you? And so if you resonate with Charlene, um, Steve doesn't benefit in any way, then join her group. It's a paid group. It's not a lot of money, but it's it's... You know, she wants to get paid for the value that she brings. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's very fair. Um, and so I'll have links to that. And then I'll have links for Charlene's contact for all that. You know, the one thing about your group that I like is how small it is. Um, very small. So it's like easy to get an answer. I'm not fighting my way through. Um, it's definitely some of the feedback I've seen. How about you? Um, yeah, it's intentionally small. Under 200 members, um, that's the max. And a lot of our members are husband and wife teams, um, so there's actually far fewer businesses involved in it. Um, and the other thing that we are, we are like drama-free. Mm-hmm. You're a member, you know, drama-free, you know? It's, it's, um, it's um, politics-free, drama-free, and it is an v- exceptional group of people who are willing to go out of their way to help other members. They kind of see it as a helping a a big team instead of competition, which is really, really nice. It's a safe place to ask a question. And one of the things that I see that's very cool is 
you say, as you said, other people answer some of the questions too, like, hey, I've also had that experience. Here's how I handled it. And it's not necessarily coming from you. And that's got to be very rewarding for you because it's almost like seeing it the is, students you know? like become the teachers in some way. That's kind of cool. It is. And a lot of our group members have been members since the group started, which will be four years this fall. Oh, my God. We're getting members old. all along. Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing. Even though they've now become very experienced Amazon sellers, I'm really, really proud that they still find value in the group. Yeah. You know, yeah. that it is still worth it. It's a safe place to ask anything. Um, we don't publish numbers, so it's not a pissing contest about who made the most sales or anything. We talk percentages and we talk all that. But we, you you won't see any of those posts about, look what I sold yesterday. You know, I did $100,000 yesterday kind of stuff. Because those are immaterial because you could have sold $100,000 and lost money. So it's it's a pointless post. And we just don't do that. You know, I'm I'm very lucky in that it's a group without rules that hasn't needed them. We're all afraid which of you. Is, Let's just face yeah. it. Well, yeah, they're afraid of me. Yeah. No, they kind of they kind of understand why certain things are frowned upon. No, I get it. You know? I, I just it makes it easy. I mean, when the boundaries are clear, it just makes it easier to operate. And again, you know, you go in, you need an answer, boom, you get an answer. You need advice on photography, boom, somebody gives you an answer. You need advice, hey, I'm going to this show. What else should I have thought of? That's powerful, especially for newer sellers. And that's, I, I love the fact that you're helping newer sellers a lot because it just, it's like, you know, you want to wrap your arm around. I feel so bad sometimes and I get a lot of questions and I'm like, I can help you this much, but I've got, you know, 15 million other things going on. So I'm sorry, I can't give you the time. So I think it's very, very cool. All right, let's close with this. What I'd like you to do is to help that person who wants to get specifically into wholesale. They're selling RA, OA. Now there's 21 new brands that are ungated, I guess, today. And they're but, scared to death. Of, right. But what's going to happen fake. tomorrow? You know, exactly. Are they going to lose an account? Um, I think there's some powerful information in this in this uh, episode because you're talking about brands for the long term. You're not going into it with a scarcity mentality. You're not going into it losing that brand. You're going in developing the relationship, making it stronger, adding value, all the common sense things. So let's take and give some advice to that new person who wants to come in and join. Um, if they want to do wholesale, they have to be a real business. And I say that meaning you have to register with your state for your sales tax license, or if you're in a state with no sales tax, your reseller's license. You have to have a business bank account. You know, you have to have business cards. You have to do those things that legally make you a basics. business. The basics that every Amazon seller should be doing, but many RA and OA sellers don't. So you cannot, you cannot function in the wholesale space without those things because many of the wholesalers were asked for that resale number so they can pass it on to their state so they know that they don't have to pay sales tax on those those particular sales so set yourself up as a real business um it's not hard it's not expensive um i'm really lucky to live in a state like wyoming where setting up an llc is like so easy and so cheap and we are such a pro-business state that it is really easy but even if it's hard you have to do it it was you a thousand bucks in my state. It's a thousand bucks. Wow, is a hundred here? Yeah, no, but that's all the legal side. I mean, it, it's everything, and you know, there yeah. is there is a little bit more to it. Um, and unless you're willing to do it on your own, and 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 it's not that way here. But but the rest of it is pennies. I mean, business cards are thirty bucks. You yeah. know, the the yeah, tax exactly. license is free. I mean, there's, those things are all free. Um, so exactly. So you have right. to have those to get started. Otherwise, wholesalers won't look at you. Even small wholesalers won't. So get those things in place first. While you're getting all that paperwork done, 
get your theme, get your niche, you know, narrow things down. So you went from 300 million searches to 100,000 searches, but you're going to have to narrow it down so you know where to start. And you will probably find dead ends where this niche sounds great and you love it but the money isn't there for you. Um, my husband is a professional photographer and he traveled around the world on a cruise ship doing um, photography. And that was his first instinct to sell on Amazon was photographic stuff. Now, the money isn't there. You cannot compete with the pricing from Nikon that Amazon gets and all that. And the return rate is high and all that. So for a micro business like his, it wasn't a niche that would really work. So he went sideways and found something else he liked mm. and that did have the profit in it. So don't get discouraged if some of these themes or niches don't work um, because when you hit on one that does, it's like, oh, thank God, I never have to go in another Walmart again and scan products. You know, well, I never and, have to stand in line at Target and argue with them over whether they're for resale. You know? the, the other powerful thing is when that niche isn't a good niche, you know it that really saves you a lot of money before you go in and just assume yeah. it's deep and stuff like that. So I think there's power. I always say, when you learn what not to buy, there's a lot of value in that. Sometimes that's the answer. Oh, boy. Isn't that the truth? All right. Yeah. And and you'll make mistakes. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes, I'm sure. You know, they end up at the thrift store I've got store a warehouse town. full of mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Right, uh, so um, my kind of thing is if Walmart and Target and all those didn't make mistakes, there wouldn't be clearance. Right. You and know, so... You can't beat yourself up about them. So the future of wholesale is good. I mean, as you oh, sit here I and look at it. Yeah. I think it's the only way to move forward with an Amazon business. And remember, you can extrapolate those sources and use them on eBay. In some cases on Etsy, if they fit Etsy's requirements Walmart. on your own website. So just because you have that wholesale source for Amazon doesn't mean you can't use it on, on eBay and on your own website. So you can mm. triple triple dip it. So these are the things that are spoken in the wholesale sourcing experts. Um, if it's in, again, I don't benefit in any other way other than getting to hang out with you. So if you're interested in it, uh, again, I'll have a link for you, um, Charlene. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm interested to hear next year. I guess this is going to be just our annual thing. I'm just going to say yeah. it now. We might as well just do it annually because I think sounds good. What's cool for me is to watch you weave and bob yet stay the same. I mean, you're adjusting because you're going through the same junk everybody else is. Yep. Things are gated, ungated, changes, this, this now needs this. You get, I'm sure you get some brands that you sell that you get restricted on, and you're like, wait, here's my letter, blah, blah, blah. All that same stuff happens to you. However, you plot along, and you have yeah, a business, and you're growing your business. after the other, right? Yeah, my it. sales, not to brag or anything, I looked this morning because I thought you might ask. My sales are up 34% over last year to date. So, And yet, how long have you been possible. doing this? I've been in retail since 1981, but on Amazon mm -hmm. since 2001, back when you could only sell okay. books. So 17 years, and you're yep. still growing. Oh, love yep. it. Yep. You right, learn well, every day. Thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Take care. Thanks, Stephen. I love talking with you. Bye-bye. Bye. Great interview. She's sharp, man. I'm telling you, she is sharp. It's a great group. We're in there, my wife and I. So if you joined, that'd be great. Uh, again, I don't benefit other than maybe spending some more time with you. Um, wholesale's our model too. And I think there's so many things in there that you can um, you can ask. Again, 
a lot of good trade show information, a lot of things. So if you're thinking about this, it's not that expensive, and it's she's such a great lady, and there's a lot of great people in there, and that's what you want. You want to find a people that you connect with. And again, if you connect with, you heard Charlene, if you feel like that's somebody you connect with, go for it. If it's someone else, just get with other people, like-minded people that are going to help support and build a network. Build out your network. That's where the money is. Your network is your net worth. Love that phrase. Ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.